0: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, where we English at a high level. I'm pretty sure Cougars have no chill. Get <laughs> you figuring out English language on the air? Yeah.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week.
0: It is our pleasure now to welcome on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom the newest member of the BYU basketball team. He is a graduate transfer, Tijon Lucas. Tijon, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. I appreciate you to having me, man. Excited to get to work. It's good to see the smile on your face. Uh, we're stoked to have you in Provo playing basketball for Mark Pope and BYU. I guess naturally the first question is, why BYU when you had so many other options?
2: Uh it it was a hard decision. I'm not gonna sit here and say it was easy, clear cut, and I just knew what I was gonna do. But um at the end of the day it came down to a couple things. Um going to a place where a culture was very good and established and BYU has done a great job uh with the rich history and culture here with winning, getting to the tournament continuously. Um an opportunity to be able to have an impactful season uh this upcoming year just because i only be there for six to eight months. Um, and I think I'll have a chance to do that here at BYU. And playing style is another uh, important thing for me. Uh, and I think for my assets and skills, you know, using ball screens, being able to make plays for others and me, it's some of my uh, best skill sets. And so I think Coach Pope had a very clear-cut plan on how he'd be able to use me, how he'd be able to improve my game and, uh the vision he has for the team. Is very clear, and I I support him every way, and I trust that he'll do whatever it takes for me to expand my game to get to the next level where I want to be and help the team win a West Coast Conference championship and (laughs) national championship.
3: Hey, that would be great, man. Let's go through the zags, right? Um, We're just glad you picked uh, BYU over Utah. And also, as a Milwaukee guy, you wanted to play for a former Buck, right? And Mark Pope.
2: (laughs) Man, it was it was a plus for sure. <laughs>
3: <Definitely a> plus. <laughs> okay, let's talk about your game. Um, you it, from the few highlights I've seen, you use both hands really well. You can shoot it well. I know Mark Pope can probably elevate your you know three point percentage to mid to high thirties. I think if not low forties, I think that would be great. And uh, Brandon Averett was a player that graduated. That I think you fill that spot really well. Um, what has BYU told you about sort of their vision for what you could become?
2: Uh, one of the playmakers that they need on the court. Um, I know that they lost one in Brandon Aver, a great guy, uh, respect to him. Did a lot of good things here. And I just want to come in, you know, try to fill those shoes and be able to make plays and make a different run. Fans
0: love comparisons, Tijon. So who would you compare your style of play to if it came to an NBA type of scenario?
2: I will compare my game to Chris Paul right now.
0: Ooh, I like
3: that. I like that. How, how so? How do you see that?
2: Um, a great leader on the court. Uh, does a little bit of everything. Uh, if you need him to take the last shot, you take the last shot. But he always makes others around him better. Uh, at every stop he's been at, uh, pretty sure no one thought Phoenix was going to make it <laughs> second place in the West. <laughs> and OKC to the playoffs last year. So every stop he's been at, he's made other guys around him better and still had uh individual success. So I think I'm I'm very capable of uh making other guys around me the better and myself.
3: Okay, let's talk about your journey. So you're from Milwaukee, Illinois for two years. Oh, by the way, as a freshman, you played in a bunch of games. One game you didn't play in was against BYU. Your line I beat BYU by two in that game. You uh, transferred to Milwaukee, redshirt, you play too, so this will be your sixth year in college, fifth year playing. Um, What's this journey been like for you to uh, now go to your third school and and your final school?
2: Uh, It's definitely been up and down. Uh, Like you said, early on in my freshman year career, I didn't start, but, I mean, didn't play. Uh, It was the first time in my life that I actually never played and didn't start a game, so it was very challenging. Um, ended up uh fighting through it, started the last like twenty some games in my freshman year and started the next like twenty some games in my sophomore year. So Illinois was good. We had a coaching change that I didn't sign under. So I ended up leaving after one year trying it out. Uh it wasn't necessarily the system for me at the time. So I decided to go somewhere where I thought I could um best use my assets again um unfortunately it was it was back here in milwaukee um i love my time here at milwaukee i was able to get better a lot excuse me as a person and a player and just going. my next stop uh i'm only here for six to eight months and it's a real business deal and just trying to help any team get to a tournament and get a deep run that's that's my biggest thing BYU
0: basketball transfer point guard T John Lucas with us on BYU Sports Nation. What was your first impression of Mark Pope, the head coach at BYU? High energy.
2: High energy. <laughs> high energy. And that's that's my kind of guy. That's what I need. That's what I need. Uh that was one of the reasons I actually went to Illinois. Coach John Gross is a high energy guy. Um, definitely a family guy. Coach Pope seems like he's all about family and united. And something I want to be a part of. You know, I want to, I'm a loyal guy. I like to be family oriented. and I definitely love Coach Pope. And the prioritize me, um, show me that he really invested in me, the clear cut vision. And I commend him for that. When did BYU and
0: Mark Pope first pop onto your radar as a possible landing spot for you?
2: Oh, well, I can say this. They were the first school to hit me when I got in the portal, literally two minutes after I got the email back. <laughs> was the first one. <laughs> so um, uh, I give coach Cody credit for that too. Cause he was, he was the one who called me. Um, hey, a Milwaukee but, guy, it's Cody figure from Milwaukee. Yep, exactly. yep. 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 Green Bay ties. you know, Packer fan, but at the end of the day, man, they were been so consistent, um, checking in on me, me and my support team, my mom, Mr. McHenry. Um, and then they just been consistent and showing me my plan, making sure I need anything, you know, do I want to see film? Do They broke down my film and compared me to players that they have, how they can improve me. Just It was just a very clear-cut vision on the plan for me individually and as a team. Uh, I'm looking forward
3: to it. Something we've noticed with this staff in the last couple of years, Tijan, is that uh, they are transfers themselves for the most part. Chris Burgess went to Duke and then Utah. They found the right fit. It worked for them. Mark Pope, obviously, Washington to Kentucky. So they're guys that get it in this regard. But uh, I wanted to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit more about yourself off the court. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Um, who are you?
2: Uh, okay. So off the court um... – I really I so I just got the PS5 the other day. So okay. Okay. Been trying to, been trying to get a little active on there. I, I play a little games, you know, Call of Duty and stuff on my spare time. Not so much 2K just because you know I like to get away from basketball a little bit. Um uh but I like to hang out with friends, uh have fun, watch TV, watch movies, um kick it. Uh very family like I said family oriented friends oriented so uh whenever I have my downtime you know, you know, as student athletes, you really don't have that much. So, I really like to take a lot of naps. You know, naps <laughs> and get a are lot the of sleep best. There.
3: Listen, do it while do it while, <laughs> you,
2: do it while you don't have kids, man.
3: <laughs> well, when my when my two year old takes a nap, that's when my wife's like, "You're good. You can take a nap." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, okay, I'll take it right now." Uh, hey, hey, your mom has BYU TV, right? She's already ready to go.
2: Oh, yeah. she. I told her I was doing one on uh, BYU TV this morning. She sent me a screenshot like, hey, I already have it. I, I have it recorded for 11 o'clock. I'll be there. That's yes. right. My mom, That's right. She's I in love mom is a super fan already. She has about $300 worth of BYU gear the first day I committed. <laughs> That's
0: great. That is what we like to hear. Tijon Lucas with yes. us on BYU Sports Nation. What do you know about your teammates thus far? Have you met any of them virtually? If so, who and and what has that been like?
2: Uh, I talked to uh, Harms, even though he's not coming back. Uh, We talked a long time. He uh, congratulated me, supported me, um, shouted me out. Uh, Some guys follow me on Instagram. I haven't had the chance to talk to them at all, but definitely seen them. I was able to follow those guys back, but. Uh, Harms has definitely been good. I was probably the one i talked to the most. I've been there and played um, since we actually played against him in the Big Ten. He remember me. So mm-hmm. it was definitely just good to pick his brain and appreciate
3: it. Yep, little Purdue, uh, Illinois action there. Um, I, I want to ask you a super deep question. You can go wherever you want with this. Who or what has made you who you are?
2: I would say my mother and Milwaukee. Um, being raised from Milwaukee, um, not not a lot of people make it out of here. It's rough. Uh, it's hard. There's a lot of distractions going on every day, um, even with violence. is going on uh, every day. So I just commend my mom for sticking me in the gym. Uh, my dad, he, he pushed me to play basketball, uh, first one introduced me to the game. And then Mr. McHenry uh, did a great job and uh I went to the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, which is like a boys and girls club kind of. Uh we've been going there since fourth grade. They do a little bit of everything. I mean, they help me with at homework help, um, ACT prep, food pantry, uh summer camp. Um, you could work in the summer. I, my AU program was through there. So I literally went through Monday through Friday just because there was a lot of distractions going on around me, staying in the gym, just trying to stay focused and just trying to get out of there as much as best as possible. So I, I commend Milwaukee. You know, it takes a village to raise one. And then my mother, my support team, my sister, my dad, Mr. McHenry. I commend those because they push me and make sure I stay on the right track every day.
0: You just mentioned to Mr. McHenry, who is that, and uh, what kind of influence uh, did he have on your life?
2: Uh, that's my AU coach slash mentor who's been there since fourth grade. Um. I played for the Milwaukee Spartans AU program, which was ran through the Sewer Spring Neighborhood Center, who, which Mr. McHenry was over at the time. And I've been playing with there since fourth grade. Like I said, he made sure I had everything I needed. Um, excuse me. Um, and then he just been pushing me. Uh, he helped me with these decisions. He was answering phone calls from Coach Pope and Coach Cody, Coach everybody. Um, he helps me break down the film, make sure I'm picking the right school, make sure it's the white fit, uh, checking on me mentally, seeing how I'm doing, shooting me texts after games like not good enough or got to do better or get up some more shots or just checking in on me. So he's always been there for me since fourth grade. I couldn't ask for no better support than him and my supporting cast.
0: Oh, Very cool. It seems like we need to get Mr. McHenry uh, some BYU swag, right? sure
2: (laughs) Hey, it sounds like mom's got plenty to share right (laughs) oh yeah mom has the cart loaded she had the same night (laughs) that's
3: awesome okay uh when do you get to town
2: um i think i'll be down the first week in june i think i'll be down because i my lease ends here for end of this month uh packing up starting to pack up stuff here and Hopefully I can get down the first week in June because I know there's a basketball camp the first week of June. I want to get down there for that.
3: Hey, hit the hey, ground running. Have you seen mountains like Utah's mountains before?
2: No, I've never been to Utah. I've never seen mountains like Utah. Like I was telling coach, I know nothing about Utah, but <laughs> I'm glad to be there. <laughs> Listen, you're going
3: to love it. It's a it's an uh, awesome place. It's growing a ton. It's got the number one economy in the country right now in this county. I mean, it's it's crazy, man it'll uh set you up for the future basketball and otherwise it's going to be great. Um what what are you what are you hoping for out of these 6 to 8 months as you talked about not only on the court but kind of your development as a person.
2: Uh I, to find another family and brothers uh hopefully build a bond that's lifelong with those guys, you know, meet the fans and then get better individually. Um As much as possible in that time frame, even though it's small, but I know that you can get a lot done and then get uh, better collectively. You know, the six to eight months, uh, I want to be able to, um, like I said, win a conference championship, get to the tournament, make a deep run. I don't want to just get there and make a run. Um, And me individually, I think if I improve a little bit of my, my shooting and consistency, I think the sky's the limit. So. I just want to focus on improving every day, locking in every day, making sure I do what I need to do in order for me and the team to be successful.
0: You mentioned patterning your game after Chris Paul. Uh, number three, it happens to be available at BYU with Matt Harms leaving. So is, is that what you're targeting?
2: Yes, sir. I've, <laughs> it's crazy. I've never worn another number ever. Like I've been wearing that in AU. I've been at every high school stop I've wore three. Every college stop I've wore three. So. Uh, I can't say it's because of CP3. Um, it was because of Allen Iverson. That was my favorite player at first, uh, before LeBron James, so that's why I wore three. But I'll take the CP3 because he's doing some real damage right now in the league. I
0: love it. BYU's about to get a TL3 in Provo, man. Tijon, thanks for the time. So great to meet you. Can't wait to see you in Provo for BYU.
2: I yeah, appreciate you guys for having me, man. Go cooks.
3: Hey, and tell mom hi. We're we're ready for her. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> I'll tell her. <laughs> all
0: right. T. John Lucas on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I love this guy. Yes. I'm so excited. He's got an electric personality. He has a big smile. Excited ready to, to work. Hear. And he
3: understands what he's being asked to do, right? As a grad transfer, all right, six to eight months, I'm going to go crazy hard, and we're going to get this thing done, right? We're going to, we're going to, he wants to win the league. He has ambitious goals, right? Which is great. Listen, is BYU going to beat Gonzaga for the uh, regular season title? They will not. Uh, but in Vegas, they maybe there's once. maybe once in May, who knows, man. right? Um, and, and you don't have to go through Gonzaga to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Those are two separate things.
0: What a mature, impressive young man. And answering the tough questions with zero hesitation.
3: Yes, and I love uh, – we got deep with him, right? Yeah, super um, cool. Milwaukee and, and uh, mentor, Mr. McHenry, and mom and dad and sister. and That's great. Let's go. Let's go. Get more more uh, T. John Lucas's and in pro. I, I love it.
1: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
3: You like the idea of BYU men's basketball playing a game on Christmas Day?
0: If I get, it's to not be, an idea now; it's a thing. If I get to be there in paradise, yeah, I'm all for it. Cheer yeah. Actually, I—it's I, I, the fam there. If yeah, the fam's not, that's harder. Yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is very harder, difficult. Yeah. Um, it gives me something to look forward to on Christmas Day after the presents are opened. So I, I like that dynamic, I was, too. I was going to say, you don't have anything to look forward after to on presents? After the presents yeah. are open, things die down. It's like, oh, BYU's got a game. Let's go.
3: Yes. NBA is always bringing it that day. There's a couple garbage bowl games. It's always great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Gar- garbage bowl games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah guy DJ bien wrote yesterday, the New York Daily News, that the Jets should trade for Nick Foles, or Nick Mullins as backup veteran mentors to Zach Wilson. Do you like the idea of a capable veteran like one of those Nicks to mentor and push Zach?
3: Yeah, I think it'd be great. Absolutely.
0: Do you prefer one over the other?
3: Nick Foles is an actual threat to play a little bit. Right? Uh, Mullins would not be. He was the third string for the Niners. He got some run a couple of years ago.
0: I like Nick Foles. Southern He's a Miss. Super Bowl champion for crying out loud in a backup role. Yeah. So no, I, I like that, and I think it would push Zach in the right ways to make him bring it every day. they're
3: playing Zach from the start, but, sure. it, but there's a chance that Nick Foles actually plays a little bit if because he started for the Bears a bunch less. Sure. Year, right? Can BYU topo in four straight to advance to the Super Regionals for the second time in program?
0: Ooh. Percentages in history would suggest no. It's so it's tough so to lose the first game yeah. and then come all the way back up through the elimination bracket to do that. BYU Baseball did it in the West Coast Conference Tournament a few years 2018? back. And it was incredible. Yeah. But it's so tough to do that. I think BYU is capable of beating Southern Illinois today, beating Virginia Tech in another elimination game, and, and then- getting to championship Saturday. But beating Arizona State twice on their home field. That task is really tough. I, I just don't yeah. see it in the percentages.
3: Go, go, do it, ladies. Go do it.
0: Yeah, prove us prove us wrong. Like they do, can, do, they can do it. Do what is not expected. It's, it's percentages say no, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Exactly. Cash Peterman, BYU football kicker, debuted his second custom-made BYU helmet. The latest, a silver chrome special with a stretch Y. Jerem, do you like the chromed out BYU football look?
3: Yes. I really do. Also, I like that Cash Peterman is a walk on (laughs) kicker whose whose vibe is the helmet guy on Instagram reels and TikTok. Like he's he's carving. He's wearing overalls
0: with one strap. That's Caleb Lohner style. (laughs) Caleb's
3: like, there's one of us on campus. Caleb and Cash.
0: They need to host a show. They have a podcast. Yes, a podcast, Caleb and Cash. I like I like new looks. It's fun to see BYU's decal on Chrome stuff. Yeah.
3: Not, I, not sanctioned, but that's okay. It's cool. that's cool. Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell says he wants to have a live lion on the sidelines this season. <laughs> no knee biting on kneecaps. How would having a live cougar on the LaBelle Edwards Stadium sidelines change the game day experience for everybody?
0: Uh, uh, no. His name is Dan, Daniel, and he's the Lions coach. Oh, right? nice. So... I shouldn't be that surprised.
3: Well, he, he doesn't want to tame the Lions. Wants to, <laughs> yeah. A live
0: cougar on the sideline of Elbert Stadium? That would certainly make things interesting. Certainly ramp up the game day experience for fans. Um, I, I, don't would, know, yeah. I don't know how I feel about a caged animal on the sidelines in Provo. Well, it
3: happened. <laughs> um, and here's here's the first look <laughs> at it. Alani with with uh, Real Cougar. Now, here, boy. I I didn't look up, I didn't look up the deets before the show, so I can't remember exactly when this was. But I think it was like the '40s or something. Boy, had two Cubs mm-hmm. on the sidelines, and uh, that yeah, there they are. It was like like Clio and Tarber or something like that. I again, I I haven't looked up the details. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is pre World uh, War II. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you the unfortunate ending to this when they got loose on the south side of campus, which is really sad for the cattle that they killed. But um, yeah, this happened. This was the thing at BYU. There were cougar cubs on campus. Yeah, back in the day, they brought them on the sidelines a few times. Apparently,
0: PETA is canceling BYU because of what happened in 1940. <laughs> well cancer culture going <laughs> yeah. oh that's pretty hilarious actually that that happened <laughs> <Cougars>. <laughs> two of them Two yeah. of them.
3: Also, yeah, Kalani will have one this fall. Oh, late.
0: my goodness. Only
3: against Utah, and it will accidentally be released on this side. I
0: would love to pet, like, a tamed cougar that's some, mostly over control. Is there a tamed control. cougar? At the zoo, Does maybe. Does it exist? Like, you know, see, the people that hang out with it lions and tigers. It would have to be tigers? sedated. The tiger king? Is there a cougar king? I'm pretty sure cougars have
3: no chill. <laughs> lions feel like they have a little <laughs> bit of chill for whatever reason. Are there
0: cougars? I don't that know. They'd have chill? Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm not sure. We
0: ain't got no chill, man. That one on
3: the, uh, you know, up on the paths here with the guy, like, right, eh, ain't no
0: chill for that yeah. one. Yeah, well, it found out its two cubs were missing, so it was upset. Cleo and Tarver! <laughs> from this, 80 years ago! This morning, country music star Garth Brooks yes. did not have a cougar on a leash. Are you sure it wasn't Chris Gaines? <laughs> or... <laughs> All right, how do we know? Okay. Posted a video promoting the sales of tickets for his upcoming tour. Yeah. Something about what he was wearing caught our eye, Jerem. Okay. A love one another sweatshirt in royal blue, no less. Similar font. Okay. Is Garth Brooks a BYU fan?
3: Naturally, no. It would have a stretch way on it. Yeah. But it's cl- it's close, though. So it made us think that. It's Chappie tweeted
0: that out, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, the royal blue. And I like the message that he's promoting, for sure. Here's how desperate we are. We're yep. excited that someone has a blue
3: hoodie that has a phrase we use. Yep. As if it was ours. No shame. What day is it?
1: May twenty. Yep. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is three-time All-American soccer star for BYU, Michaela Coulahan. Welcome back to the show, Michaela. How are you?
4: Thank you. I'm good. How are you guys doing?
3: Just trying to figure out what third to last means. Do you know what that is? Yeah. you know what the anti-penalty I don't know.
4: Is? Your attempt was better than I, anything I could come up with. So I,
3: I looked it up. I guess I'm right. Anyways, let's talk about you. <laughs> Amazing season. First-team All-American, back to the NCAA tournament. I know it wasn't kind of the finish you guys wanted, but obviously everything was weird, and uh, you play your your season in the spring. How did you feel about how the season went?
4: I think there was a lot of positives to take away from it. Um, As you said, just kind of happy to have been able to play, and there was so much up in the air there for a while and almost get sick of saying that. But it was a positive thing and just really happy that we got as many games in as we did and played the tough competition that we had and – I think we gained a lot of experience like it was a good spring season for us and as you said it was it ended an unfortunately or in an unfortunate way and that was too bad but but we really have a lot of positives to take away from it.
0: You drew Virginia who eventually went to the final 4 in another college cup in your opening round. Do you feel like you, you got a rough draw there or how does how does that shake out in your mind right now?
4: Maybe a little bit. Yeah. It, I think when we were watching the selection show, it was kind of, I I didn't ever feel like, dang, we're playing Virginia, but it was like, Oh, Virginia. And then you hear a lot of talk after that. Like everyone was shocked. They weren't ranked and didn't get a first round bye and things like that. So there was a lot of talk about how they kind of got unfortunate to have us as well. And so it was a tough matchup that early in the tournament, but um I think that that's just kind of the way the tournament is, and that happens, and you've got to be able to rise to play anybody. So,
3: You guys end up being the 12 overall seed, which was awesome. I thought typically in the tournament it's like we just have this, I don't know if it's a real thing or not, but it's like, ah, BYU gets chipped or whatever. That's how we feel about NCA tournaments, generally speaking. 12 was great. Yeah. 11 was Santa Clara. They go and win the national championship. What was that like emotionally? Because you know them, you split with them, it was tied in aggregate so that that had to be something what was it
4: geez it was a lot a lot of different emotions i think i think back to the other national championships i've watched in previous years and it always hurts it's hard to watch another team celebrate and you're jealous of course like everybody wants to feel that feeling and celebrate that way but it was like a whole nother level watching Santa Clara do it. We're like, we beat them once we got unfortunate losing to them another time. I even feel like we should have won the first game as well. And they're in our conference. So it's so close to home and we know we're so familiar with them and know how good we are. And I mean, if you see a team like that, you know, you're capable of beating and you're better than you feel like watching, watching them win the national championship just kind of fueled me. And, um, like I said, very jealous, but makes me want to be able to feel that same thing and, and make it there.
3: Any any kind of positive feelings there at all? Given that, hey, the league won one. That's that's good for us as a group. It makes us look good. Or is it like, oh, we're on that level?
4: I'd say a little bit of both. But yeah, yeah, there's for sure some positive to take. Like the WCC, I think that's that's great to see a, a conference opponent, you know, win the national championship, and just for West. The West in general, the soccer over here sometimes gets a little bit of, you know, we're not as good as the, the East Coast or whatever people say. And so I think it's great that a team close by won and showed, you know, how strong we are over here and how strong our conference can be. And so, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's just really motivating and kind of wants me to be able to rise to that and push us to that level as well.
0: Three-time All-American soccer star Michaela Coulihan with us on BYU Sports Nation, two times a first-teamer. That's incredible. It really is, you know. So I'm, we're here to profile you. You're awesome, okay? How do you feel about how do you feel about being awesome, Michaela? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too nice.
4: You make me sound even better than I am. So <laughs> I
2: don't
3: know. No, it it really is legit, right? Jennifer Rockwood, I think it was 2019. I said, "Tell me what makes Michaela Coelian great," and she said, you know, said all these amazing things. She said, "She to me, she's the best player we've ever had in the program," mm. and I was like. Best player ever. That's, that's incredible given how many uh, players have come through here. What has what is, what is the program done to help elevate you to where, yes, you're a two-time first-team All-American. You could make it three this fall uh, in your fifth year. That would be something pretty special.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember back in the recruiting process, I heard – I talked to several people who had played at BYU, um, and they told me, like, I can guarantee you if you go to BYU, you'll get better. They, they didn't say that would be the case at every other school and other schools that I was kind of considering. So that was something that stuck with me, and I can fully attest to it and say that that's completely true. And I feel like the coaching staff, the level play get here, the training every day is just it, – it causes us and gives us the opportunity to be elite. And uh, I think that I've just taken – been able to take that opportunity and try to push myself and, and get better in every way. And um, that's a reflection of our coaches, I would say.
3: She used the e-word, Spencer. I know she is elite. I know. Yeah, we don't use it's that in vain in not Studio B. Used in vain here.
0: I learned my lesson, right? <laughs> <laughs> Michaela Kulan with us on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe coming back for one more shot at—I don't know—a college cup or a national championship was enough to push you to another season at BYU. But you're drafted 14th overall. You clearly are a future pro player what was the main driving force behind your motivation to come back for one more season instead of just taking it to the professional level?
4: Uh, I've had this conversation several times and I always come back to like, I'm in no rush to get out of BYU because I have everything I need to be successful here. And it helps me get better as I just kind of talked about. Um, I feel like every day I have the chance to compete against the best and um, my coaches help me help push me and, Push me in different ways to kind of excel. And, and so I just want to return here. I feel like there's still a little bit left in me. I want to end on a normal fall season. And um, I want to take us further than we've ever gone in the tournament. And that's my goal. So I kind of want to end on that before going to Orlando and continuing to play there.
3: Well, let's go. Uh, and this conversation normally would be had what in December, the season just ended. It's May. So, you're actually playing in three months, which is super exciting. Oh, by the way, we wanted to ask you, who's your ma- favorite Major League Baseball team?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Nationals. <laughs> why, why, why is that? <laughs> you know, I got to support my boyfriend. So oh,
3: <laughs> Jackson Clough, he's one of our favorites. How's he doing, by the way?
4: He's doing great. He, he actually just got injured. He hurt his hand. Um, but his season had just barely kind of started and, uh, he had been playing well so far, and so he's, he's going to have a little bit of a break, but he'll get right back to it. So. How what? much
0: minor league baseball are you watching right now?
4: <laughs> every day there for a minute until he, <laughs> he took a little break. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's every single day.
3: <laughs> he's in, he's in double-A with the Harrisburg Senators right now. So that's good, man. That's, that's good. That's great.
0: So how physically tired do you feel after a very unique season in the spring, knowing that you got to turn things around, as Jerem just mentioned, essentially in a few months?
4: Yeah, um, I think a lot of people have kind of been talking about that, like, wow, that's a quick turnaround. And honestly, that's all I could ask for. Like, <laughs> the more games, the better, the quicker the season's coming, the happier I am. And that's what I want to do. So to see it um, just right around the corner and not having this long off season and just training every day, it just makes me super excited. And I can't wait to get back into it.
0: And for what it's worth, Kayla, I believe that BYU was the last team to beat Santa Clara before they went on their national championship run. So you still have that
4: on them. Hey, the only team that beat them.
0: The Let's only go. team. Let's go.
4: That's that? right.
3: Let's hang a banner. Let's
4: go. <laughs> that, that's the fuel for this
5: season.
0: <laughs> Kayla, great to talk to you. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your off-season training. Stay well. Tell Be Jackson well. hi. Yeah, say hi to Jackson for oh, us. Cool. And we'll, uh, we'll see you around soon.
4: Thanks, guys. Have a good
0: one. You got it. Michaela Coolahan on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
3: Elite. She really is. Two-time first-team All-American. It's fun to go into every game knowing BYU has the best player on the field. Yeah. She's the best
0: player on the field. She is in that very, very small category of like maybe somebody discussed as like the best athlete on campus at BYU in any sport right now. Yeah. She's right there.
3: Could be. Yeah. Could be. She's the Carlos Valderrama. Okay. A BYU (laughs) soccer.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: Per USA Today... We know the following payouts from each of the Power 5 conferences to each and every school within those Power 5 conferences based on the 2020 fiscal year. This is going to hurt. Let off by the Big 10. This is like, what's your
3: salary? Let's read the salary of people who make way more than you.
0: 54.3 <laughs> million dollars per school in the Big 10 conference, which is actually 14 Schools.
3: Yeah. ESPN, Fox, Big Ten Network. Woo!
0: 54.3. They are the leaders in the clubhouse of the big money game. The SEC, I think most people think, oh, the SEC's got to be the leader, right? No. $45.5 million per school.
3: The Big Ten Network is a bigger deal than the SEC Network. Yeah, the Big Ten it's Network really is
0: the exception that has worked out,
3: right? Yeah, the mountains like
0: what did we do wrong? As is the Pac-12 Network.
3: You were in SD. That was what the problem.
0: The Big 12, Twelve, forty point five million plus regional slash local TV packages. So if you add the Not fifteen far million a year
3: behind the SEC, if you
0: add the fifteen million a year from the Longhorn Network for Texas, then they're right up there. Actually, a million above the Big Ten.
3: Yes, Texas is Texas.
0: Yeah. ACC, thirty seven million dollars, and the Pac-12. million dollars per school
3: not far behind
0: but how much of the 33.6 million per year for the pac-12 dealt with the fact that they were in california and were largely shut down more than some of the other power five conferences that actually tried to make a little bit of money and keep playing college football
3: i don't think the tv deal would be affected by that
0: by the, the, the number of games. So, like, even though the Pac-12 only played six games, yeah, you don't, don't think that there was any.
3: We know they'd be in last place regardless.
0: Type of pro-rated scenario.
3: I don't think so. Mm. I, I don't know, I guess. Uh, they were only 3.4 behind the ACC. That's pretty interesting. Okay. Because everything we've heard and talked about, is like, oh, the TV deal, no. It's like, well, they're right there. Okay. What's the issue?
0: I guess my next question is. Just, what, what happens
3: when they actually get their own network doing something? Mm. Then what? Do they leapfrog the Big 12 and go into third place suddenly and the rhetoric changes? I, yeah, it's interesting.
0: What do we learn from these numbers that have been revealed but from BYU Power 5 BYU doesn't have as much money
3: as this. Yeah. Um, no, is in a great spot for what it can do. Can BYU control whether it's in a Power 5 conference? No. Can BYU control that it makes more than it would have in the Mountain West or even joining the AAC? Yes. BYU has more in its pockets from its football deal with ESPN than it would if it was in the AAC, which is the next best TV deal. Now, that would be, what, football only probably, right? Um, when BYU went independent a couple years after, we were like, oh, it's all in or nothing. No, no, no. We would take football only right now. It's all good. WCC, great fit for BYU. It's fantastic. You can still get to the tournament. It, yes, uh, you know, BYU raised money during the pandemic successfully, trying to make up what it lost this season. Um, you know twenty twenty and, and into the fall, so I, I anticipate that this fall we're you know i I hope we have a full stadium, I think we'll have a full stadium like why not sure you know, um i i think we're we're getting you know we're a hundred six days away we can do that, we can do that safely um, and then the you numbers recoup, and the percentages a lot of the ticket sales yeah trending in the right direction yep, all that stuff you guys got the best possible. Um, you know, TV deal, it can get. I'm guessing that's not only financially, but obviously the access and relationship with ESPN is more than just the TV money. Yeah. It's games. It's, uh, you know, programming. It's, it's all kinds of things. So, yeah, listen, can BYU sustain independence? It's a question we ask a lot and at this time of year, right? We haven't even gotten into expansion, by the way. <laughs> it is the season.
0: Oh, yes. It, it, and, I, uh, and I'm going to uh, take the conversation there. Let's go. What do we learn from these numbers? That again, it's doubling down, no pun intended, on why there is so much posturing and positioning and egos get involved in what conference do we want to be involved with to make the most money and become the most relevant. Not BYU specifically. I'm talking about the shifting that I anticipate is going to happen when Power 5 conferences start to poach from each other. I think that's going to happen again.
3: I don't know if it will, because when it happened, they created... You know, legal clauses preventing such, and and take. Well, you can always jump. You, exactly, every, every contract you can, can be always broken. Pay your but way out of but it, but it's steep, dude. Like it wasn't like before, where the, it's it's steep now. Um, it could still happen,
0: but if the We're contract, contract like year is up, is what I'm saying. If the contract year is up, then it's up.
3: No, 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 not like the league with the TV deal is independent of the teams. The team leaving the league is a separate thing. Sure, but thing. There, yeah.
0: there, there are certainly more complications when you're under a heavy, hefty TV deal that you're already getting a lot of money for, and you try and leave the conference. What I'm saying is if the TV deal is up, that's, that's at least one of the major barriers. You're like, okay, whatever. If we go to this conference, we're going to make this, more, this much more in millions, and we can pay the fine that we're going to have to pay to the league to leave because we want to be in this conference over here.
3: I wonder if that will actually happen. We're all talking like it will. It might. It may not. It may not happen at all. It, it might just be adding. But these numbers. I look at these numbers and I go, "Who's going to be added that will increase that number?" There's not a single team not named Notre Dame that will do that. Like equal. Like why would you just bring in someone to do an equal one? You would need someone to do better. They're already in the leagues. All the attractive. Interesting teams are in the leagues. Obviously, BYU would be a massive benefit to a league, but not to the point where they're going to elevate that number significantly.
0: If the Pac-12 were to do what they tried to do in 2010, to get Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma, talk about a major shift. There's no way it happens. In how relevant now and how financially stable, more stable that conference becomes because you bring in two huge power teams in a it, conference that's making the least out of the Power Five conferences per team per year.
3: But not by much. Um, and it ain't happening because Texas is going to situationally, culturally, demographically, sit in, regionally sit in that spot. And they're the kings, and they want to be the kings, and they're not going to leave to go to a new spot. They're the kings of that Like They get 15 a year from Longhorn by itself. Like what, All of a sudden – why, is that going to exist within a Pac-12 structure? It feels like that would be complicated and weird. I just don't see any situation where Texas isn't okay. the king of its own league. What where about they come to the power? an Arizona and an Arizona Pac-12.
0: State who have, in the recent past, been bothered with the Pac-12 scenarios, TV agreements, and have opened up the door to negotiations to a degree with Big 12 officials? What if Arizona State and Arizona jump ship and join the Big 12? USC was like, hey, we're going to go independent maybe. We want to be like Notre Dame and be the true Notre Dame of the West and be independent out here in Los Angeles. I
3: don't actually think they want that. I just think they were posturing.
0: Okay. Just big talk. Yeah. I'm hoping for chaos. Honestly, I'm hoping for chaos because the more chaos there is, the better it is for BYU to try and find a backdoor in to join one of these Power 5 conferences.
3: I'm not sure how it happens, but I would love, yes, obviously BYU being in a Power 5 league would be the biggest moment in the history of the university. I'm talking sports or otherwise. Because it changes the opportunities you have as an institution financially to do things, right? Go look at the U. They're nonstop building stuff because they, yes, they have more money and they're spending more money. But it puts you in a different financial spot. It helps everybody out here.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
3: Tyler Clancy on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline and BYU coming off of the National Invitational Tournament Championship, a.k.a. winning the National Championship. Tyler, you guys did it in Round Rock, Texas. What was it like, and are you still celebrating?
6: Well, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, Got to admit, definitely still coming down a little bit. It was an exciting, exciting weekend with, with the boys down in Texas. Um, I think, I I think it's safe to say it didn't even set in for us until it was the fourth quarter of the national championship and we're up by like five. And all of a sudden we started looking around. There's like two minutes left. And we said, guys, I think we did it. Um, but really it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, exciting times.
7: Okay. So when you win the national championship and by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, this is BYU lacrosse's fifth national championship. Correct. The first in 10 years. Is that accurate?
6: That's right. Since 2011, so that, 10 years on the dot.
7: So, so what do you get? You get you get a trophy. Do you get anything individual like rings? Is that to be determined? What What do you get when you win it?
6: Yep. So we we got we got a trophy from the from our the MCLA. We're getting rings probably sometime in the fall. But when we got back to our hotel that we were staying at all week, they also gave us some plastic gold medals. So that's going to be also in the <laughs> case, uh, from the staff there. Hey, cool. hey,
3: listen, in the COVID year with an extra meal, it's, it's great. It's all good. You you win, right?
6: Oh, We'll take what we can get. That's right.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> when I first started here, I sidelined lacrosse. So I, it, I've followed the team for a long time. Congratulations. And as Jason mentioned, a fifth national championship. That's super awesome. What was this year like for you guys? Because it's one thing to – okay, you have the NCAA is going to throw the, no, no, no. This is the MCLA, which for those who don't know, there's not a ton of teams out West that do this, but there's a lot of big schools that have an MCLA lacrosse team. And you guys went through who showed up at this tournament and won. Um, What was, what was this season like? And what was it like to go to this national championship and win it?
6: Definitely. So, I mean, from the get go, it was, it was a tough year. Um, we, we brought together a talented group of guys with some challenging circumstances. As, as everyone knows, I don't have to rehash, rehash that situation. But um, we, I think the, the key to success for us this year is we played WeBall. Um, I'm telling you, these are guys that don't get scholarships. None of us, uh, you know, obviously get our school paid for to play. We do it for the love of the game and for the love of each other. We get up at 530 in the morning and run till our, till our feet fall off. We lift hard. We, we work hard. We practice for about two and a half hours. And I'm telling you, the, the hard work that we put in really showed out, especially in Texas in that last three-game stretch. We had to run and run and run in the hot, humid, uh, round rock sun. And, boy, did that, those, all of those mornings finally paid off. Um, I think one of the toughest parts of the season was when our coach came to us before the game, Coach Matt Schneck, before our very first game and said, gentlemen, just spoke to the administration, and there's going to be no fans allowed this year at any of our games, and that was tough. That was heartbreaking for a lot of us, but I think it just goes to show the grit of this team and the things that we've been able to overcome, not just this year, um, but in that 10-year stretch of what it took for us to get back to the national championship.
7: All right, Tyler, uh, we like to bring the hard-hitting questions here, so I'm going <laughs> to throw one at you here that, uh, quite <laughs> frankly, has bothered me because I can't find an answer to it. Last week on okay. the show, we were looking up uh, different things about lacrosse. I had mentioned that I, I don't know a ton about the sport of lacrosse. And so we were just trying to looking up terminology and things like that. One of the things that we stumbled upon was that the lacrosse stick has many different names, one of which is called a Betsy. Do you, can, you, can you enlighten me as to why the
6: lacrosse stick might be called a Betsy? Oh, you know what, guys? I... I wish I could provide some insight, but maybe that's like old school lacrosse or something like that. <laughs> I genuinely have never heard of that either. So. Okay, so you don't know. <laughs> I am not going to feel so bad that I don't know that then. It's not a thing. Yeah, it, yeah. It must seriously. Be. I,
3: yeah, that, That's yeah. a must-mult. It must not be a thing. <laughs> um, you, you were part of a group of three seniors that came back for an extra year with Jared Cotter and Tyler Mumford and Sons. What, what, did, what was it like for you guys to rally this group, be the captains, and finish on top like this?
6: Well, I have to say that for me, I, I was on the slow academic track, so I was going to come back for school anyway. But, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Jared and Ty are two amazing examples of of that BYU lacrosse program. These are guys that on and off the field are just representative of some of the best quality individuals you can find at BYU. So, um, you know, our year got cut short last year, and we were having a really good year. We got together over the summer, and they said, guys, we got to finish what we started, and so they they made the the sacrifices, um, you know, with their families and with academics. made made some switches in their their plans, but uh, it paid off. So they they were a huge, I mean, just a big anchor for our defense and for our t- entire team as a whole. Obviously, you've
7: been playing lacrosse for a while. Take us back to uh, to Beaufort, South Carolina. Give everybody an idea of what uh, what life is like in Beaufort, South Carolina, and how did a young Tyler Clancy get <laughs> into the sport of lacrosse?
6: Well, Beaufort, South Carolina is just one of the best places on earth. I, I think everyone should visit. It's a hidden gem of the South for sure. Um, lacrosse in Beaufort was actually when I was growing up, it was pretty small. We had a, we had a, just a club team of a couple of the guys from each of the high schools around us. We all played on one team. So that was in seventh grade. Um, and, and we played against the other school teams, even in Southern Georgia, all the way up and down South Carolina. Um, it was the kind of that same mentality, that blue collar lacrosse where, Hey, look, we might not be the most talented team, but we're going to work, uh, you know, we're going to work and make it happen. So I went to BYU lacrosse camp in 2014 um, when I was still in high school, and Coach Schneck talked to me, and, and I was really inspired by the those senior captains uh, when I was at camp and just the, the quality of the character of those individuals. And I could see that there was just something special here, and I wanted to be a part of it. So when I got accepted, um, I knew that this was the place I wanted to come and play for Coach Schneck. And it's been such a great experience, such a great ride uh, for me in my life.
3: Well, what a way to go out on top as well in uh, you know your, your senior year, your second senior year as an All-American and national champ. That's pretty awesome. I also want to bring up something awesome. For those who follow Provo Culture, you are a big part of this, actually, the basic BYU Bro <laughs> account, which I do follow on Instagram. Um, tell us about – why you decided to start this and what it takes to run that, because that culture is certainly filled with, uh, you know, flat brim hats and, uh, you know, <laughs> sleeveless shirts.
6: Well, look, I, uh, I took it over from a friend named Keaton, um, but I think it's just, I think it's always fun. I mean, as a lacrosse player, you know, you fall into the basic, Provo bro culture with going to Vasa Fitness and <laughs> and uh, wearing the sleeveless shirts. So, this is you know, Jason. it's always fun. You gotta I, was gonna fun say, I do yourself. go to Vasa and I wear <laughs> sleeveless, so uh, I fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all in this together, guys. We, we, we've we got to stick together and poke fun at ourselves and, and just have a good time and, and bring people together and, and have some fun.
3: Well, we wish everyone the best of luck uh, in the summer sales that are, uh, you know, uh, pending <laughs> if that's the case right yeah, so, that's
6: like that's like half the lacrosse team so yeah, exactly. uh, i think they're going out high
3: okay well congratulations on everything thanks for uh, joining the program tylen we appreciate the time man.
6: it's been a pleasure thank you so much
3: tyler clancy impressive stuff very good <laughs> fantastic interview hey and if you notice in the back a little ronald reagan ronald reagan you know, the in wall. the background that made me happy Who's the
7: president? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Who's the president in 1985? Ronald Reagan. The
1: actor. The actor? I love that. <laughs> so great. Best movie of all time. Back to the Future. Uh, no argument. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: First and foremost, Jerem, this is something that we have not done very much lately. So let's get to it. BYU football kicks off their 2021 college football season in how many days? Down to the Wildcats. 106.
3: Ooh, we're close.
0: 106 days away. I was at the student athlete building yesterday and uh, talking with some of the personnel over there and thinking, fall camp starts in like 75 days. Okay. That's crazy. Let's go. I mean, it's been a crazy spring, so I want that. everything I, feels accelerated.
3: If we skipped, you know, I I do love like vacation time, whatever. Uh, June, July, if we just like eliminated that and just skipped right to August. I'd be fine with that. Really? Yeah, I want football
0: now. You, you just handle your vacation, May, August, and call it good.
3: Needs vacation. I want. <laughs>
0: I want football.
3: Like, I'm I'm thinking like the number three reason purpose of my life is to watch BYU. <laughs>
0: That's pretty high up there. Like,
3: it's like God family football. <laughs> like, and, and, like, I think in that order.
0: Respect. There are a lot I of think? people that are listening that are respecting that. Broncos, like,
3: right football's there. fifth. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's at least number three. I don't know. This year's BYU football schedule, as you are well aware of, Jerem, features seven Power Five opponents. More. More. Compared to how many Power Five teams did BYU play in 2020?
3: Uh, that would be zero. Yeah.
0: Zero in 2020 when the schedule blew up thanks to a global pandemic. Seven seems like a lot, Mm Jerem. Zero seems very much like it's not enough. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what is the perfect schedule for BYU football that can attract high-level recruits but also sets BYU up for major success on the field?
3: This is a good question because if the schedule's too weak, you're not going to get good players. If the schedule's too tough, you're not going to win and because of that, you might not get good enough players. So there's a sort of balance there that needs to happen. I would submit the following question. What is the point? Like, what do you, as a BYU fan, what, Spencer, me, what do we want out of the season? If the point is to make a New Year's 6 game, schedule as few Power Fives as possible, right? Because you have to be undefeated to get a shot at that. I would submit that that's not the point of BYU football. If the point is to win 10-plus games every, I don't know, once every four years... Maybe it's like two a year. Then you give yourself a shot to only have, say, one or two losses. Okay, so right? a
0: special or great season once every four years.
3: Yes. if I, I would think you would uh, – again, don't argue with me that BYU just needs to play better. That's not – no, that's a poor argument. The schedule is a controllable element here. But, again, within the schedule, you can't control how good that team is that year. Okay, If the point is to appease – and this is what I think it is – appease ESPN – the fan base, ticket sales, and win seven to nine games a year, three to four. If you want to win four to seven a year, go five plus, which is where BYU is now, mm, right? Okay. Like, you can overcome that, but generally, you're going to sit in that, like, six, seven range, realistically. There was one year where it was four. It was bad. Okay, here's my schedule. Three power fives. Utah's one of them. Get a big name, a Wisconsin, a USC, a Alabama, Clemson, whoever, Ohio, Ohio State, okay? Um, and a winnable game okay. like in Arizona, okay, in Arizona State. Those are winnable, right? Three quality Group of Fives: a Boise State, a Cincinnati, a UCF. Those types where they are, you know, top forty uh, overall programs. Okay. And then six winnable games. You're gonna have one FCS plus five others. One of those will be Utah State. At times, Utah State has been a quality Group of Five game. Um, you know, a team that's like flirting with the top forty in FPI or whatever. Okay, this is this appeases to me everybody. Because the six winnable games, you're you're going you're going to get to a bowl game. You win at least five of those, okay? If not all six, three quality group of fives. You're hoping to go two and one, three and zero oh in that, and then the P fives. So you're hoping to go uh, two and one in that, okay? Right? So then you then you're getting into the at least. Let's say BYU struggles. You're at least getting to eight wins. Eight wins is very respectable. That's a good season to me. If you go 9, 10, 11, 12 you know, is not happening if you're playing three power fives, in my opinion. But to me, that's the, the, the ideal schedule. And again, it's not this simple or easy. And sometimes I think maybe I make it sound like it's just as simple as schedule a certain amount of power fives. But if, if it were up to me, that I think would appease all parties.
0: Okay. And I think that we should note that 2020, even though there were zero power fives, it was largely out of BYU's control. Completely, completely out of BYU's control yeah, yeah, totally. when we got further into the summer and all these Power 5 conferences said, no, no, no we're not playing non-conference games. And BYU's like, uh, okay, well, we're just going to schedule yes. who will even play us. Absolutely, and it was awesome. So there was a pass, and so BYU fans were just excited to have football games. It didn't matter yes. who it was against. Correct. Just play football, we'll be excited about it, and they made the most of that. Now that the COVID pandemic is seemingly coming to a close in terms of not allowing fans and Power 5 conferences getting back to normal schedules. There's not going to be a pass for that. If BYU came back with another schedule this year, like they had last year, No question. then fans would be up in arms about this.
3: That's too easy. I don't want that.
0: I agree with you.
3: I would hate that every year. You
0: have to appease a lot of parties. All that went out the window in 2020. You have to appease a lot of different partners in all of this. So I agree with you 100%. ESPN fans, you want to sell tickets, recruits. Yep. You want it to be an exciting brand of football. There's something to the idea of playing a bowl game feel, you know, every week. Like that's fun. Where it's like, oh, there's, this is a new opponent. BYU's never played out of this Power Five conference. Let's visit those storylines. But winning six to seven games is not fun. It's just mediocre. I so, would
3: argue that even eight uh, consistently, like we got bored with that with Bronco Menhul. Sure, we did.
0: Okay. You have three Power Fives. I'm okay if BYU plays four Power Five teams. To me, it's more about the placement of the Power Five games, when, where, and the quality of that Power Five team that BYU plays. But that's where it gets really tricky because ESPN comes in and says, hey, we want you to play USC. You cool? And Tom Homel's like, uh.
3: I've asked this question. Sure. How many times does Tom say no to ESPN? Who knows How much can he?
0: Only he knows you know what I mean? the answer to that question. So four Power 5 games, preferably Utah and three others. Yeah. I like the game against Utah every year.
3: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Dude, everyone's on board with
0: it. I know that the hiatus is going to happen again. Whatever. Three high-level G5 games. Boise State, a yeah. couple of AAC opponents. So four Power 5s, three high-level G5s. That's seven games right there. Four should-win games. And then one FCS blowout. Strategically placed in a point of the schedule between Power Fives, ideally, <laughs> where BYU can rest up and get ready and give some experience to some of those guys. Yes, that's ideal. It's it seems like eh, it shouldn't be that hard. It is really hard to put together a schedule and try and hit all of these different things. Yes, but Absolutely. I submit to you, Jerem, the 2022 BYU football schedule as currently constituted, which I believe,
3: please make it manifest.
0: fits all this, this mold. Fits the mold that I just brought up. Okay. BYU opens the season at USF. Mid-level AAC opponent.
3: That's a winnable game. That's one of those winnable games. BYU returns home. Wasn't in
0: 2018. They return home on September 10th to host the Baylor Bears. Baylor in Provo.
3: Oh, the Grimes-Mateos
0: game. Okay, that's fun. The 17th of September at Oregon. Tough game.
3: Yeah, that's tough. game. That's that high-level game. That's
0: the high-level Power that's 5 the game. highest-level game. Yep. Followed by a home game against Wyoming. Win. Followed by a home game against Utah State. Win. Followed by a home game against Arkansas, which is winnable, bottom of the SEC. Winnable
3: power five. It's in like, pro like that's a, a okay. good matchup. Yeah.
0: Then at Liberty, October twenty second.
3: Hopefully they will lose their outstanding quarterback. Okay. Like he's legit.
0: In twenty two. Maybe he goes maybe after he goes this pro. season.
3: Malik, something.
0: At Boise State, which all of a sudden doesn't, doesn't scare me as much as it used to.
3: Well, when we have the number two pick, yeah, it's sure.
0: pretty easy. They just lost their and, head coach again, and
3: thirteen NFL players. Yeah, oh, tough game always.
0: Dixie always. State in Provo. Yep. Stanford on the road. Yep. Who knows? Yep. I mean, good solid. It's hard to know if discipline. When, is, yeah, Stanford. What Stanford going to be? Right. Yeah. Wh- yeah. We'll see. And then there is a TBA against East Carolina, also in Provo.
3: That's a guaranteed win. Because of revenge, revenge factor, because right? Twenty seventeen. That's one of the lowest days in BYU football. I'm
0: looking at this schedule and I'm thinking, okay, I, I like that. I only see like one game that I'm like, whoa, that's really hard, and that's at Oregon.
3: Yes, this took twelve independent years to get to. By the way, like it, it, it took, take, a, took long a long time, time to sort of find. And obviously, we've grown in what we want and what we've seen. And Tom's grown as an athletic director in terms of balance. And you know, it's. I know it's complicated, but I think we're getting to the point, and this year is, again, an outlier the other way. Zero power fives to seven power fives. Yeah. Like, whoa! You're going to feel that. Trust me, in the middle of the season, we're going to go, eh, this wasn't last year with these guys in this schedule. But, yes, that, that kind of balances way better. Really nice. More manageable. Who you're playing, when you're playing. Absolutely.
0: I'm all about the 2022 schedule. There are four power fives, which I know is one more than you want.
3: Yeah, you, you sort of eliminate the 10-plus win possibility, l- largely.
0: But again, the 2022 schedule doesn't feature a ton of like, whoa, Power 5 games. Okay, yes, we want only, only Oregon. We-
7: All right. As we mentioned a moment ago, the bulk of the former Cougars who were drafted or signed as free agents participated in rookie mining camps over the weekend. Now, there were there were three or four the weekend before, including Zach Wilson uh, that participated uh, two weeks ago. But the majority of them took place this weekend. Dave, which BYU Cougar, and we're going to eliminate Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen, so which BYU Cougar not named Zach or Brady do you think is in
8: the best spot to stick with their current team? It's so hard to stick to a team in a 53-man roster. Uh, I watched uh, Dax Milne catch some passes over the weekend with Washington. I hope... I hope he can fit into that mix where they need a possession receiver who can catch anything. He's
7: apparently also a heartthrob now out there too. By the way, is that right? Apparently, that's what that was. He was all the rage on social media. That's what the kids were talking about. Word on the
8: street is number five's a heartthrob. Apparently, okay. Well, I know he can catch, <laughs> uh, and he 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 made Zach look really good last year, and Zach made him look. Really good, and and uh, what you have to do in the NFL is you've got to be able to catch. You also have to be fast, and there's always a knock on speed if a receiver's not an Olympic sprinting champion, uh, which Dax is not, but he's more than capable, and he can catch anything, and he's got good size. I just hope he can. I hope they all get a spot, but, man, it would be great to see him with the uh, Washington football team. Absolutely. It would also be nice for them to come up with a nickname.
7: Yeah, well, apparently they, they're at least – it's on the table to keep the Washington football. That is an option, apparently. We will see. It, it was funny that, uh, that you mentioned his size because Ron Rivera, the head coach of Washington, he he'd made the comment not just about Dax – But about some of the other guys, too. He said, you know, we'd done all these interviews prior to the draft over Zoom. So we never got to see any of these players in person unless we went to a pro day. And they were not out here for, for BYU's pro day. So he says, Dax is much bigger than I thought he was. And I
8: thought to myself... Well, that's got to be a pleasant surprise. It's better than saying he's shorter than what I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. Remember when Ty Detmer walked into the office <laughs> with Lavelle Edwards the first time and and uh, he thought he looked more like Pee Wee Herman <laughs> and was waiting waiting for the other football player yes. to come in and Ty's like, no, I'm Ty yeah. from San Antonio. And then it, it worked out.
7: It seemed to have worked out uh, <laughs> just, uh, just fine. Um, I am going to go with a member of the Jets, but not the one that you think. I'm going to go with Tristan Hodge. All right. Tristan Hodge is a guy that... I think has a fantastic opportunity with the Jets. Number one, offensive line is a big-time need for them. Certainly depth at the O-line. Whether he's a starter or not, I I don't know. But I know that they need offensive line help in the worst way. Let's be honest, what NFL team doesn't? But I like the fact that he has gone to a team that desperately needs help at the position he plays. I also don't think it is a bad thing that he is a teammate of Zach Wilson. The fact that you have somebody that Zach is comfortable with. Look, and Woody Johnson, I mentioned this on the show last week, the owner of the New York Jets tweeted out or had an assistant tweet out. All the tweet was was, hey, look, Zach and Tristan, former Cougars, back together again. And it was just the two of them at the New York Jets facility. When the owner's taking uh, note that you are there and you are a teammate of Zach Wilson, that can't be a bad thing. Plus, his NFL pedigree, obviously, you know, with his uncle, people know the Hodge name came from yeah, Notre Dame right. and BYU. I just think all of those things speak very highly about his chances of
8: sticking with the Jets. I hope, I hope Matt Bushman can get in yeah. with the Raiders. I think, um, for a variety of reasons, one that he could have gone out after his junior year, decided to come back, and then ahead of this great summer or summer and senior season, um, rips out his Achilles last day of practice in a non-contact drill out for the season. Yeah. You just feel for that guy. And his father-in-law is Chad Lewis. And I like Chad Lewis. When Chad got back from his mission, my dad was his bishop who was, and my dad was head of the Cougar Club. Chad goes in and attends his book. He goes in and talks to my dad, asks if he can get a tryout with Lavelle. And so my dad called Lavelle. They went down at lunchtime and Chad caught a few balls and Lavelle goes, well, I don't have a scholarship for you, but uh, you're, you're more than welcome to walk onto the team. And so Chad took that, finished All-American, went to the NFL, had a great career. Yes, he did. Now back at BYU, salt of the earth, and his son-in-law is now trying to play the same game in the NFL. So I hope Chad uh, – I hope Bushman can get on uh, with the Raiders. It's going to be super tough, but, yeah. man, he's well,
7: good. Well, we know how good he is. We know exactly what he meant to the BYU offense for three seasons. And, and like you said, it is just an absolute shame – that the injury took place, and, and that certainly cost him in the NFL drafts. Uh, we had uh, Trevor Maddich on the program last week, and he mentioned a guy named like uh, Chandon Herring uh, with the Tennessee yep. Titans, also a situation where they need offensive line help. He actually thinks that Chandon may have a pretty good chance making it uh, with the Titans as well. And some guys can get in on
8: special teams. Yes. And, uh, Taysom showed how to do it. Yep. Just find a way to make a contribution and then see what happens. Yep. And uh, that's what he's got going on. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU
1: Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Now? On the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom from his office is the always esteemed Greg Rebell, voice of the Cougars. we we'll
3: just look in his direction. His office is this way. Yeah, it's somewhere <laughs> over
0: here. Over there. So, yes, Greg, uh, it's great to have you back on the program. Again, happy Friday. We're, we're talking BYU football and perfect schedules. Um, do you have a perfect schedule format in your mind for BYU football if you were to compile something and be in that meeting with Tom Holmo?
9: Well, first of all, it's great to be with you upstairs. And uh, one of these days, we're going to be back together. I can actually come downstairs. Just come down right now. We'll just move over. Just come down right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, I was thinking, uh, if you're going to say it's a a 12-game schedule, right? So we have a a nice round number to work with every year. I kind of like it this way. Uh, A third of the games against good P5s. So that's four. Another third of the games against mid- to high-level G5s or low-level P5s. And then a third of the schedule of Gimmies games you're going to win. And and that's going to put you more or less in the postseason every year if you can manage that kind of schedule. And so that's kind of how I think. I always want to be in a bowl game, obviously. You want to have enough heft in the schedule for all the reasons you talked about, attracting recruits, national play, and everything else. I think it's a nice little breakup, one-third, one-third, one-third of those different categories.
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting balancing act, right? Because you want to appease ESPN, you want to appease to continue that relationship and they've been awesome. They help you always set up games too. You also want to appease recruits and the fans and the ticket sales and whatnot. But you also want to make sure you're in a 8 to 9 wins a season as much as possible thing. And then every now and then maybe you get a 10 win season, right? So, um it- wh-
9: no, I, I, you're right. And, and we just realized you, you don't want the 2020 season every year. Yeah. But the best thing about it was, even without the P5s that had been scheduled, you were in the conversation in November. Yeah. And how fun was that again? for B- and, and the thing is, the national talking heads, they didn't care yep. about the fact that BYU didn't have the schedule it wanted because BYU was doing the best it could and rolling people in the process. And so BYU was, again, a story. And, 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 you know, as much as anything, that's what you want to be. And, and the Cougars were in that spot. Now, you can't be that way every year. We already talked about the many reasons why that can't happen. But uh, th- that's ultimately you, what, what you want, even with the tougher schedule, is to be part of the conversation.
3: Yeah, and you don't want it to be too tough. That, you know, like seven power fives this year is going to be a challenge. It just is. Uh, you not going to be in the college football playoff conversation this year the hope is that BYU can continue to improve continue to develop in your you know five six as a staff uh, leverage what BYU did uh, nationally as a team and in the NFL draft with recruiting and build it up and then and then you can maybe take on a little more weight on the bar my concern is oh shoot we're expecting the same amount of reps with more on the bar and it's just not realistic but uh, I feel like BYU's headed in the right direction which is great and now we have a, a Very challenging 2021 schedule. And and Spencer and I were talking about this too, Greg. It's not just the number of, say, quality power fives or quality group of fives. It's kind of where they're placed too. And uh, that matters. And I think as BYU gets into year 11, 12 of independence, Spencer highlighted the 2022 schedule. Where they show up matters too.
9: And and ultimately, what you want to be is good enough, top to bottom, to you know, to win a lot of games with the toughest schedules, and, and that's ultimately, I, I think, what, what Kalani and, and staff are talking about, and he's five years into it now, is you generate um, uh, enough heat every year and, and bring in enough talent every year that, that even with the tougher schedules, you're still winning games. That it's not a matter of, well, you hit a, you hit a tipping point where, well, those are simply teams you can't beat. You want to be good enough to actually beat those teams. And, and, and ultimately, you know, I think that's what we're talking about.
0: Greg Rebel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Of course, the seven power fives drawing a ton of attention from BYU fans. A lot of excitement about the teams coming to Provo. Now the big question is, well, who's going to be the quarterback or quarterbacks who start those games for BYU? And we've also had the conversation in recent days, how different will this BYU team be depending on whoever the starting quarterback is? So, Greg, I know this is kind of a silly question, but – does it matter who the starting quarterback is for BYU if they're likely going to be projected to win eight or nine games? Is there going to be a big difference between whoever starts?
9: Yeah, if if you trust Aaron Roderick to make the right call, and I do, then it doesn't matter. Uh, he's going to pick the guy that gives BYU the best chance to win as many games as possible on this current schedule, and and I do trust him. I mean, he's and he's and the, the great the, the interesting thing about it is. He has such a unique challenge in front of him to really devise an offense based on either the talents of, of one exceptional quarterback or multiple other exceptional quarterbacks without the exact same skill set. And, and so th- there's more than just picking a guy. You're kind of picking an offense a little bit, too, um, in, in terms of maximizing a certain guy's talents. And, and the more I think about you know, picking a quarterback, I want to think back to last year at this time. Okay, there was a guy on the roster that was going to be the number two overall draft pick in the NFL, and he wasn't yet named the starter a year ago. <laughs> and
3: he wasn't okay? a captain. <laughs>
9: so, so Zach Wilson still had a competition to go through. Now, granted, COVID cut spring short last year. That said, they came out of spring without having, at least publicly, a clear-cut starter. Okay, And as far as Zach was concerned, and he talks about his, you know, the, uh, the chip on his shoulder, he was using that too. Because he wasn't named the guy, he was going to be the number two overall draft pick, and he went into August battling for the starter spot, ostensibly and, and so we also have to keep that in mind um, that that you know the, the competition could be a very real thing this year, I mean, particularly because they actually said they were going to have one last year with a guy as good as Zach Wilson on the roster.
3: it'll be interesting to see if'm you know if I'm Aaron Roderick and I'm not uh, it, Jacob Conover he's the future, but I don't. I, I don't want him to be the president. Here's why. BYU's, he would have to do something no quarterback has ever done in BYU history. Play seven power fives. I just think when you have two guys who have started at least a couple games, the dyna- dynamicism of uh, Jaron Hall, the simplicity of of what Baylor Romney does is exceptional. I want Jacob Conover's time to start perhaps in 22 or 23. We'll see. But it's a great problem, and I'm super excited. We're talking about 106 days till until the season starts, like 75 until camp starts. That's going to be a fun battle, and uh, yeah. you know we'll, we'll see who wins it. I'm thinking Jaron Hall is going to win it, but uh, we'll see.
9: Well, we, let's also remember, too, uh, last year was the exception to the rule, unfortunately, in terms of a starting quarterback that goes all the way. Um, history has proven over the last decade you're probably going to need more than one guy. And if it's Jaron Hall starting, because of the way he plays, and, and we saw how he got banged up the last time he had extensive play, you're probably going to need more than just one guy. You're hoping that's not the case. Ideally, and again, they saw it last year, your guy on day one is your guy in, in game 12 and 13, and he takes every meaningful snap of the season. That's what Zach Wilson did. But that hasn't been the way it's gone for a long time at BYU. So it behooves the Cougars that they have more than just one guy really ready to roll. And the good thing is there are reps, with the exception of Conover, there are reps in the program that should give Aaron and, uh, and the rest of the coaches and Cougar Nation uh, a lot of confidence.
0: Greg Rubel on BYU Sports Nation. Football out for the moment, basketball in. Mark Pope just signed his latest transfer, a grad transfer, Tijon Lucas out of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Greg, what was your initial reaction to getting a much-needed point guard and one that has a backdrop of playing at Illinois and Wisconsin-Milwaukee?
9: Well, the more T. Johns, the better. You know, I miss T. John <laughs> Caroma. And, uh, and it's good that we can get that back in the program one way or the other. So I, I do appreciate that. Uh, and, and, it's, and, 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 I, and again, I, I, when it comes to trust, I trust Mark Pope. And, and last year, there were a lot of questions about a COVID reconfigured roster and how all these guys would come together. And we saw just how well they did come together. And, and so when it comes to cobbling together pieces um, with a little more time together, with COVID restrictions easing up, I really do trust Coach Pope and his staff to, uh, to put together uh, another solid NCAA tournament team. And, and you know, you, you already spoke with T. John, you know how impressive he came off, and, and he's got a resume uh, to back it up. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, I'm happy, I'm pumped to see what this group, and if there are more additions to it, so be it. And if A.B. comes back, that's wonderful. Uh, the more the better that way. Uh, I, I, you know, we've got to get through football. But uh, I, I want basketball season to get here quickly again too. I just, I, I really, you know, th- that that NCAA tournament experience was so quick to me. Um, it came and went, and I almost hardly really, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of conceptualized or had everything settle in with how that season ended because of everything that went into it to get to that point. It was so hard and such a grind to get to that spot. And to have it be over so quickly was kind of tough. I know it was tough for me. It had to be, you know, infinitely you know, tougher for the guys. Um, I just want to get that feeling back as soon as possible.
3: BYU baseball playing its uh, penultimate game of the season. Yesterday we looked it up. Anti-penultimate is the third to last mm-hmm. uh, or the last before the second to last. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, what do you want to see about uh, from BYU baseball in the final two games here?
9: Well, a series win, right? You want to win out uh, so you get another series win. Uh, That would be four straight series wins for BYU to end the regular season. Uh, One win uh, secures a conference winning record. Uh, They're not going to finish with an overall winning record, but there are some things to play for here in the last couple of days. Um, You know, they've already proven to be a bit of a spoiler on the road at San Diego. Uh, That was something they wanted to accomplish late in the year. Uh, Just, you know, a few more clutch hits. A couple of solid pitching outings uh, from, uh, from 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 Sterner and Roby today and tomorrow, and I think Coach Littlewood can be happy with the springboard he gives his team going into 2022. Uh, I, I think the future for this group is pretty bright. Um, they, they they lose some important pieces, but uh, I, I think the nucleus nucleus coming back for BYU is really encouraging. And I, again, you go into you go into Friday having lost Thursday, knowing that a series win is still in play. And that's what they're shooting for. You
0: can listen to Greg on 107.9 FM locally in Utah, or on the BYU Cougars app nationally for the Batcats tonight in Game Two against the Waves. You can watch it on the BYU TV app. Greg, always nice to talk football, basketball, and a little baseball with you.
9: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking downstairs at you guys. We're we'll
0: we'll yeah. see you upstairs in a minute.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we got the uh, Canadian national well, anthem back. It's the perfect uh, way to send the coolest Canadian off. Thanks, Greg. Friday. Thanks, Greg. The voice of the Cougars on the Deseret First Credit Union Highline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: So, as mentioned, Pro Football Focus released a list of the top starting quarterbacks in the NFL 1 through 32. Taysom Hill slash Jameis Winston at 24. Zach Wilson at 30 out of 32. So this begs the question. Let's discuss who will have the better year at quarterback, Taysom Hill or Zacharias Wilson. Okay.
7: Um, let's just go ahead and acknowledge the elephant in the room. As You mentioned it. It is a slash situation it's right leg now. leg day? <laughs> That's not. Oh. No, no, no. no. Oh. So. Only one of these quarterbacks right now we know is the starting quarterback, and that's Zach Wilson. True. Right now, as of today, we do not know that Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback. We certainly hope that's the case. We, as BYU-centric, would certainly love for him to be. Are you sure
3: about that? Look around this set and (laughs) tell me that. Would
7: love for him to be. We think he should get the starting job over Jameis Winston. I don't, think biased it, opinion. Yes, I don't think anybody would, uh, would assume we would go any other direction than that. Uh-huh. But as of today, Zach Wilson is the only one of the two that we know will be a starting quarterback this season in the NFL. If Taysom starts, and we all hope he does, I think I break it down this way. I think Zach has the better stats. I think the quarterback stats, whether it's yards, passing touchdowns, what, the, the numbers that you look at at a quarterback. I yes. think Zach Wilson puts up better stats. I don't think there's any question we would certainly expect the New Orleans Saints with all of the weapons oh that they have to have the better season
3: from a win-loss that's, record. That's not in question so, at all. Yeah, yeah. So
7: yeah. I, I, it, I have a hard time splitting the two because who, what are what you going to determine in terms of the better, who's going to have a better year? If, if it's and, based and off of better? individual stats, and what is better? That's, that's my point. Because yeah, yeah. I think Zach will have the better stats. I think Taysom will have the better season because of the team. So I think every single person will take fewer stats if your team wins.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Taysom Hill could have a good year, too. Like, if he has Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, yes. among others, which are, you know, one of the best wide receivers, one of the best running backs. That's pretty awesome. So um, yeah, and it's interesting. This is New Orleans post Drew Brees, what's it going to be like? Will Taysom Hill even win the job? We hope so. Jameis Winston is going to bring bring an aggression downfield that is, has been lost uh, for a minute because Drew Brees' arm got uh, you know weaker over time as he got older. They just Pro Football Focus highlights. Hey, thirty first in you know downfield passing rating. Um, so, but Jameis was a thirty and thirty guy. So. Touchdowns, interceptions, like, whoa. That's 30 a home f- runs, 30 stolen bases? Exactly. Uh, Ricky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, on the other hand, you look at Zach Wilson, it's like, okay, he doesn't have he, – he has weapons. He does. Um, you know, at wide receiver now, which is fun. Unproven group of running backs. Mm-hmm. O-line getting better. They're not going to win a ton of games, but will Zach Wilson play from behind more? Therefore, he has more passing yards. Yeah. Uh, what's that going to look like? Taysom started four games. Don't forget when uh, you know, uh, Drew Brees got hurt last year. Went 3-1. Uh, his overall number, 73% completion rate, four passing touchdowns, two interceptions, 7.7 yards per attempt. That's kind of low. QBR 59, that's kind of low. Sacked 14 times. That's not great. Taysom Hill is going to get a real ch- shot this year. Like, Absolutely. If he's going to be a starter in the NFL, he's going to get a shot like If he wins the job, he'll have a proven chance. Last year was sort of this, you know, uh, beta testing of Taysom Hill as a quarterback. So we'll see. I'm thinking it's going to be Zach, but what is better, right? If Taysom Hill can lead, uh, you know, the Saints to nine wins. Uh, if he's a starter, that's certainly a tremendous year regardless of the stats because if he stays in there, yep. they have Jameis as an option if they want. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Well,
7: and I think one of the interesting things, and you mentioned, you know, now post-Drew Brees, how much of what we saw out of the Saints' offense for the last 11, 12 years is still going to be the offense. Now it's still Sean Payton. Especially if Taysom Hill's the guy and because now you've changed things. That's my point. With him as the quarterback – what are the opposing defenses now, can they key in more on the receivers and Kamara, you know, Michael Thomas and those guys? Can they key in more not having to worry about all of the things that Taysom can do as a non-quarterback? So does, does, it, yeah. does it allow the defenses to be able to play more straight up as opposed to having to worry about some of those trick plays and some of those things that Taysom yes. brings that nobody else has.
3: Can they? Can the Saints, uh, you know, do what they've uh, the Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson right. a little bit, where it's like, hey, it's going to be run heavy, but Taysom Hill is a capable passer, but he's not a great NFL passer at this point. Perhaps he develops into that. We'll see. He's a good. I think he's a good passer. Um, numbers bear out that he's he's fine to good. I don't know that he's ever going to be a great NFL passer. I hope so. That would be awesome. But his strength isn't that. His strength is his ability to make a play with his feet. And perhaps that opens up the pass. We'll see. Zach Wilson, I mean, it, it could it could be rough initially. Like, let's be honest. It probably will be. But hopefully he has a, a tremendous year where Steve Young said he doesn't have to have amazing stats or even win a ton. But he has to have these moments where you say, oh, that's where the ceiling is. Like, it can happen. So, it. I don't know that we, we'll go to the end and go, Zach Wilson had better stats and da, da, da. Proba- probably given how much he's going to be able to throw. But it is interesting that all, already PFF, who was in love with Zach after last year, is like third worst. It's just what it is. And I, don't, I, I think that's fair to Zach. He hasn't proven anything quite yet.
7: Yeah, he ha- hasn't had a game yet. Well, I mean, let's go back to – Tacey Mills
3: barely played. Let's at, go back the to of. the
7: schedule release. And we went over this last week for the New York Jets, just out of the first six games – Zach Wilson's first six games in the NFL, four of them are going to be on the road. So four of his first six are going to be on the road. He faces the Patriots twice in his first six games. His very first game, you talk about the storylines in abundance at Carolina against Sam Sam Darnold. I mean, it's, it's (laughs) it's insane to think about what he's going to get right out of the gate. So I, I am very curious. But here's the thing, and, I, and I've said this multiple times. I don't know how that's going to play out in, in terms of wins or losses. I, I said last week, I think right now, I would say four wins for the Jets right now. They can certainly change that depending on – there's yeah. always surprise teams. Yeah. But, I mean, one thing I know because I've seen it out of Zach is he will not be overwhelmed with the situation. He will be prepared. He will be ready to go out and fight to win a game. That's what I know.
3: How that translates remains to be seen. Right, right. Okay, let's look at the list, a few other things. So, Zach Wilson rated ahead of Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, Drew Locke with the Broncos. Interesting. Okay. Agreed. Uh, Hasn't proven anything quite yet, but uh, those guys have had some run. Zach, the lowest-ranked rookie that made it. There are three starters listed. Trevor Lawrence with the Jags at 21 Justin Fields with the Bears at 25, and then Zach with the Jets at 30. Sam Darnold, 28. So um, my question isn't about Zach now. It's about Taysom Hill. Let's go up through this list above where Taysom Hill slash Jameis Winston are and tell me if you think Taysom Hill is going to have a better year than these quarterbacks ranked above him. Okay, Um, Justin Fields, by the way, at 24. Sorry. Justin Fields at 25. So Taysom Hill (laughs) slash Winston barely above in pro football folks' list. Okay, 23, Carson Wentz with the Colts. I think he
9: could I think have he a could, good I th- year with the Colts.
3: I, th- I, think, I think Taysom could equal that, Could equal that. Okay. yes. Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, Niners. Niners have a ton of weapons. Not, yeah,
7: I, I, I wouldn't expect that. Be healthy. I, I think there's too many weapons with Kittles
3: and yeah, everybody I else. It. Trevor Lawrence with the Jags. Can Taysom Hill be better than Trevor Lawrence with the Jags? I think he can. Equal to? I a, would hope so. You're yep. talking about a first-year okay. guy, Daniel Jones. Jets, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. He can be better than we're up events. to 19. Ryan Fitzmagic. You would hope so with Washington. You would hope so, but Ryan now, Fitz. Ryan the Fitz... Beard won't be as good. That's a true. fact. The beard yes. is excellent. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Up to 18. Joe Burrow, Bengals. Always solve Joe Burrow. I as a would. Rookie, I would not expect. I would say no. I would, I would. expect Joe Burrow to have a better season. Kyler Murray, Cardinals. No. No, no way. Kyler. Uh, listen, as an NFC West guy, I'm scared to death of Kyler Murray. Ben Roethlisberger. Old man river. No, but the guy's still... Old man three rivers. Yes. Yeah, come on. He's still got it, right? Yes. 38, coming off the elbow surgery. Okay, Justin Herbert, Chargers. Had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever.
7: Look, I do not expect him to have the same type of year. I think I think he took everybody by surprise. I think that comes down a little bit, I think but I, I... I think it's I, no. I, uh, no. I, I think this dude... I think Justin Herbert is
3: really, really good. I, I do. And how good do we think Taysom Hill can be is the question. We've We've seen... I think I've seen enough to sort of feel like I know what Taysom Hill has an NFL quarterback, but it's not been like his offense, he's the guy. yeah. And even then, even if he wins the job, I don't know that he's the guy because the moment he throws three picks and a half and they're down 20, Jameis could come in. Like this is more of a collegiate situation with the Saints than a NFL situation. I'm, a, I'm on the fence with, with this one. Let's find where the line is where it's like definitely no. Kirk Cousins, Vikings? He throws for a lot of yards. He does throw for a lot of yards. Probably no. Derek Carr he could have a Derek Carr he like year. Could have a year. Derek Carr year. Twelve. Ryan Tannehill. I think that's where the line ends. Tannehill up is is it's going to be tough. Matt Stafford ramps. I'm scared to death of Matt yeah, Stafford. Yeah, that, that offense defense. is going to be scary. Oh my gosh. Baker Mayfield, Browns. No, no, no. So there's the line. Can Taysom Hill climb into the top fifteen? Is the question. Is it twenty five on this list? We'll see. Where will Zach Wilson uh, fare? We'll see. It's our question of the day. Who will have a better year as an NFL QB this season, Taysom Hill or Zach Wilson? What do you think? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Speak up! Andrew Simon, on Twitter. Taysom Hill, not because he's the better player, that's an argument for another mate, rather because of the team they have surrounding yep. him and the quality of the coaching. Yes, unproven first-year head coach in Robert Sala. Obviously, the Jets are going to be an uphill climb. The Saints are like—I just pencil them into the playoffs every year, even without Drew Brees. I would think mm, wild-card team probably. You're not going to beat the Bucks in that division um, with Tom Brady again. So, yeah. Uh, and you and you look at uh, the Falcons. Well, Matt struggle. Ryan now has a has a weapon in uh, in Pitts. Yes, he does. So you add you add in, and in- and that was kind of an off year. You know, fired the coach. But they still score. The yes. They just Their can't defense stop was terrible. <laughs> they just yes. can't stop anybody. At uh, DeAnderscore Salty. Is this Lee Kamarn? What is Is that you? On Instagram. I think with the weapons around him, Taysom Hill is more set up for success. That's not to say Zach won't have the better season, though. And again, what is better? Are yeah. We going much, stats or we going win? What, what kind of combination? Are we looking at efficiency? Are we looking at quarterback rating? Are we looking at yards? Are looking at yards per what are we looking at?
1: Um, continue to- Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week
8: in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It was Elijah Bryant's debut last night with Milwaukee. The best BYU Cougar professional debut. Remember, he had 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 32 minutes.
7: Okay, so my initial gut reaction was, well, yeah, look what he did. 16 points, 6 boards, and, and 6 of 13 shooting. So, I mean, he he was shooting the ball really, really well. But then we got into the list of guys that would be under this category. Let's just go over some of the other former Cougars and their debuts. Fred Warner with the San Francisco 49ers. He had 11 solo tackles. That was back in 2018 against Minnesota. That was pretty good. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Jimmer Fredette. You may have heard of him. Jimmer, 3 of 8, 6 points, 3 assists, 1 rebound, obviously, with the Sacramento Kings. Comes in
8: as a lottery pick. Yes. All the pressure in the world. Yes. <laughs> Everyone expected 40 that night. Yes. All so
7: right. 3 of 8. It's not the greatest debut, obviously just a horrible situation to go to for Jimmer. Danny Ainge, one of four, two points, one assist and one rebound. But then you brought up something that swayed my opinion. You said, what about Danny Ainge in Major League Baseball with the Toronto Blue Jays? Listen to Danny's line, his first game as a pro baseball player. Three for four, one RBI and three runs scored. As much as I was immediately going to go with Elijah Bryant, I think you swayed me. And I'm going
8: with Danny Ainge in his Major League
7: Baseball debut.
8: For the record, he was facing Cleveland Indians pitching.
7: (laughs) Still, you bet 750 in your debut? Yeah. That's not bad. So right
8: now, I'm going to go with Danny Ainge. But Elijah Bryant last night, he looked really good. A lot of people forget about Ainge and then coming back and finishing basketball and playing for the Boston Celtics. Then he had that little stint in Major League Baseball, which, which was his first love at the time. And then... He decided he loved basketball more, and basketball has been really good. To yes, him. it has. But that's a great debut, Sean Bradley. You mentioned yep seven six. You know, you figure at seven six, you're going to block a lot of shots. We're just trying to lobby who's going to be who's <laughs> going to be the best. All right, who else? Steve Young. Now. We debated so do you go Steve Young with the Bucks
7: or do you go Steve Young with the LA Express and as as we found out never go with the Bucks <laughs> so <laughs> the, the cream sickle jerseys it's just it's just a bad combination we found his stats and and i our our stats people found this so congratulations cuz i know it was not easy to find LA Express stats Steve Young with the LA Express was 19 of 29 one touchdown 152 yards, six rushes for 32. So not bad, but it's still not
8: Danny Ainge, three for four with an RBI and three runs scored. Yeah, and Jim McMahon, 12 of 22, 131 yards and a pick in his debut, debut with the Bears. I think you got to go, Elijah was great last night in that opportunity. Yeah. Um, Ainge wasn't playing in a throwaway game. He was playing <laughs> in like the first game of the season. I think you go Ainge and the Blue Jays. For the best debut.
7: Well, and I think what was great about what we saw from Elijah last night, it was the final regular season game. The Bucks had already clinched the spot that they were going to be in. They couldn't move up. They couldn't fall down. So they played a lot of guys last night. And Elijah took advantage of it. And what I loved, look, and we we'd know Elijah well enough to know he's not gonna come in and be timid anyway. I like the fact that he showcased exactly what he could do. He showcased the shooting. He also showcased his ability ability to create off the dribble for himself. Yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. And hopefully maybe you open some eyes depth in
8: the playoffs if
7: if game's out of hand whether it's good or I'm, bad you get in there and certainly moving forward to next year I'm
8: glad he got out of Israel when he did <laughs> yes. uh, with all that's going on over there the key thing is he's in as yes. you mentioned and now he has an opportunity to stay in and whether or not it's uh, he he earns that as a practice body you know you, the team needs a full roster yep. once you're on there you just uh, that's better than not being on yeah. there and uh He's got an opportunity, and he's such a good guy. Um, And good things happen to good people who are trying to do the right things that uh, this makes a lot of sense that, uh, that he's getting this opportunity right now.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Riley
7: Jensen from BYU Softball. Riley, thanks for taking a few minutes today. We appreciate it. How are you?
5: Good how are you guys? It's always fun to be back on the show.
7: We uh we are very good. Uh congratulations. I know we saw the video uh from the uh, the team room yesterday when you found out that you were going to the Tempe Regional against Virginia Tech. Take us through what that moment was like for you and your team.
5: Yeah, if you if you couldn't tell we're pretty stoked. I mean, every every time a name was read, we were like is it us? Is it us? And then we were second to last, so we knew it was either this one, the 15 seed or the 16 seed. So we were pretty excited.
8: Riley, this has been a roller coaster season. You start with the first month and a half on the road, you play some really good teams. Uh, this back side of the season, you, 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 a light comes on, you win the league title again for the 12th straight year, and now you're back into the NCAA tournament. What has what this journey taught you? Because there were some low times, and you finished with some really high times.
5: Um, I mean, probably between this year and last year, I think last year kind of taught us, you know, like, just don't take even one game for granted win or loss. So I think we kind of took that mentality into this year. And we just kind of kept pushing. We were playing really tough teams. We had a really tough schedule. We were on the road so often, we just kept pushing and just knew eventually that it would click and I think it's clicking at the right time.
7: What do you think sparked that because I mean as dave mentioned it's it 's unbelievable the way you guys ended and I mentioned this in our last segment. You guys finished the year having won eight in a row you 'd won twenty five of twenty seven Was there something that you look back on and say, "This is what changed, or was it kind of a compilation of a lot of things
5: um, i think I think honestly, we just got sick of losing. We kind of got together and said hey we 're better than what we 're showing and we just kind of stepped it up a little bit. There wasn't really one thing that clicked. We just kind of all together We're just like, we're better than this.
8: Well, Coach Eakin has a way of, of, of bringing a team along because <laughs> uh, you're always going to start the first half of the season on the road due to the nature of weather uh, here. And, uh, and then league play starts, and then all of a sudden you just seem to just rise to the top like you have this time. And now you have Virginia Tech on Thursday night in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, what do you think of the Hokies in this matchup?
5: I mean, like I said, we're excited. They're a great team. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to just keep learning and keep getting better, and hopefully we can win a couple games.
8: Riley, when you're facing a pitcher, and I don't know who pitches for the Hokies, but let's say she's really, really good. Uh, they took third in the ACC, so they have to have a pretty good staff. But when when you're facing a pitcher that's really good as a team, how do you approach attacking that pitcher to scratch across some runs? Because you've got to – You've got a good pitcher yourself on the hill, but when the when is just go up and swing for the fence, or what 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 do you do to to beat a really good pitcher? You've seen seen good ones and you've seen bad ones this year.
5: Yeah, we've seen a lot of great pitching, so I think that it's kind of just communicating with each other. You know, I always have to be the guinea pig hitting lead off and say, "Hey, she's throwing this. She's hitting these spots. Umpire's calling this." So I think it's kind of just adjusting mid-game to what we're seeing and to what adjustments they're making on us. And it's just, we just got to keep swinging because, you know, one swing can just change the game.
7: Riley Jensen joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. Riley, take us back to Friday, the blue-white scrimmage. And you were supposed to have a series that got canceled. So in order to be able to honor the seniors, you being one of those, I had the blue-white scrimmage. And your final plate appearance, I believe, was a triple Take me through what the emotions of that at bat were knowing that was your last at bat at Gail Miller field.
5: I mean, I kind of may or may not have switched to right-handed hitting and somehow still hit a triple, but (laughs) it was just fun. It was just, they kind of just did whatever they could with Pacific canceling on us, but we just, we just went out and had fun and it was obviously super emotional, super sad, but I just, I asked Coach Egan all season, can I go, can I swing opposite handed? Can I do this? Can I do this? And he's like, senior day, senior day, you can do it. So I finally got, finally got to do that. And then the other seniors did the same thing and we somehow hit the ball. So it was just, it was just a really fun way to go out. As one of
7: the seniors, do you feel like you're putting more pressure on yourself going into this postseason as opposed to others because this is your final time putting on the
5: uniform? Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like my first three years, not counting last year, we were so close. We were so close to winning the regional. We were so close to taking that next step. But I feel like our team this year is the team to do it. And I'm excited for that.
8: All right, let's look ahead after what we hope will be a successful postseason. What's next for you in your post BYU life?
5: That's that's a very good question. I honestly am not sure yet.
8: All right. So You don't have to know, that's the
7: beauty of life That's right, hey, you, you, you take it as it comes uh, So I'm going to assume yeah. That the home run chain will travel down To Tempe And, and we're hoping that, uh, that, that That home run chain is being worn Quite a bit against the Hokies, am I right? That
1: wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week Tune in next Saturday For the Cougar news you need to hear And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU-TV
5: and BYU-Radio.